We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4 today. We're going to look in verses 2 through 6. As we think about giving Christ preeminence, we're about to enter a brand new year. And as we are on the verge, on the brink, or on the edge, so to speak, of this year ending and a new year beginning, we want to really think about whether we have this past year, uh, whether we have given Christ preeminence in our lives, and if we haven't, we want to think about what can we do to ensure that in, two, in 2022, 2022, that we are giving him preeminence in our life. Back in July, I shared with you uh, lyrics to a song that Lauren Daigle has sang. The song's titled First. And I just want to read mind us of the words to that song the words go something like uh, before I bring my need I will bring my heart before I lift my cares I'll lift my arms I want to know you I want to find you in every season in every moment before I bring my need I will bring my heart and seek you first she goes on with the second verse that says I, before I speak a word let me hear your voice and in the midst of pain let me feel your joy I want to know you I want to find you in every season in every moment before I speak a word I want to bring my heart and seek you first. Just thinking of the words to this song. It seems to me that it's a message that reminds us that Christ should be first in our lives. And when we look in the passage today... It seems that Paul goes through some links in his letter to the Colossian church to share with us that Christ should be first in our lives. When we look here in this passage, the Bible says in chapter 4 verses 2 through 6, continue earnestly in prayer and being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile praying also for meanwhile praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mysteries of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. This is God's holy word. Pray with us. God, as we come before you again, we thank you and we praise you for what you've already done. Now, God, help us to open our hearts and our minds and hear from you. And God, as you speak to us, 
Help us, God, to respond as you would have us to. And we'll praise you for what's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we share anything about this text, I want to share just a couple of things. I, I hope you all had a Merry Christmas. And as we are exiting out of Christmas and, and preparing to enter into a new year, I pray that God pours out his blessings upon us for 2022 as and even more than he has in 2021. 2021 has been a difficult year for so many. But we can see the hand of God and how he has blessed us as a church family. And we can actually find blessings within our lives. So we want to, um, we pray that God richly blesses each one as we celebrate next weekend. If God allows us to live a new year coming in. Also, we want to share with you that Wednesday night we will not have Bible study, but we will be gathering. We will have a prayer service Wednesday night. So, as we are thinking about closing out the year and entering into a new year, we want to do it in prayer. So, it will be a prayer service. So, we invite you all to come and be a part of the prayer service. I I do believe that we have to put an emphasis on prayer. If we fail to put an emphasis on prayer then we're failing to speak to God and we're failing to hear God speak to us. So in saying that, we want to turn our attention here to uh, chapter 4. And in in this letter that Paul is writing to Colossus, he sets out to share that Christ is in fact to have preeminence in our lives, in the lives of any believer. The word preeminence, I don't want us to get hung up on that word because it simply means is to be first. Christ should have preeminence. Christ should be first in our lives. The priority of the Christian life is to reflect Christ first and foremost no matter who we are no matter what our name is no matter what our educational background is no matter what job we hold it doesn't matter who our supervisor is it doesn't matter how many people are putting us in office if we are a born again Christian the top priority of our life has to be that we are a reflection of Jesus Christ Here we find that we should see this as our priority. And as born-again believers, we have received the grace and the mercy of God. Grace and mercy that we just do not deserve. And it's through God's grace, it's through his mercy that we who are believers, whose names have been written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who know Jesus on a personal level, and because we know him, we know the Father. It's because of him that we have been clothed in his love and his righteousness. The only way that you and I could ever enter into the presence of a holy and a righteous God is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For our righteousness is nothing but filthy rags. Whether we're saved or whether we're not, our righteousness without Christ is just filthy rags. And it was Jesus who took upon himself our sins. And it's Jesus who places his righteousness upon us. And because of this, it's through Jesus and only through Jesus that we can have life and have life abundant. 
So if we know this, then we can actually say that he deserves to have preeminence in our lives. Whether or not we've given him preeminence in our lives up to this point, you know, we can't do anything at all about that. What's done in the past, prior to this moment right now, we can't change it. But we can, we can decide that things are going to be different from here out. As we quickly approach 2022, we can commit to our lives being different than 2021. And for those of us who believe in Jesus and have received him as our Lord and Savior, we can't get any more of him. Hear me. We can't get any more of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the moment he, we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, he took residence in our lives. He come to live within us. He is teaching us. He is leading us. He is guiding us. He is preserving us. And some people say it like this. He is sanctifying us. So we can't get no more of him. But he can get more of us. Can he not? He can get more of us. And the Apostle Paul encourages us in this passage to demonstrate that Christ has preeminence in our lives. And he does this with a challenge. And he challenges, and challenges us in two areas. And the first area in which he challenges us is to proceed in prayer. Prior to coming... Well, prior to closing out the letter, Paul challenges the Colossian believers to continue earnestly in prayer. He says that in the very first phrase in verse 2. The word earnestly, it means steadfastly. It means that we are to be constant and faithful in our communion with God. I have a close friend, many of you know him, Mark Fields. And Mark Fields says that we... that. Um, that we should not miss our first and most important appointment each day. And that appointment is to spend time with God. That is the first and most important appointment that we can have. Doesn't matter who our doctor is. Doesn't matter what our ailment is. But the most and the most important and, and the first appointment we should meet each day is with the Lord. Now does this mean that we are to neglect our responsibilities? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that we should spend so much time in prayer that we get nothing done that day? No, that's not what Paul is suggesting. But we have a responsibility to prayer. And we have no responsibility more important than prayer. You may think otherwise. I want to help us to really see this. The prayer... Prayer is of such important that we sh- importance that we should never take it lightly. Here Paul tells us not to take it lightly when he says being vigilant. In other words, he's saying being watchful in our prayer. Paul understands that no conversation is more important than our conversation with God. So while in prayer, we must be alert. We must be able to hear from God. Too often we make our request to God, but we can't concentrate long enough or we're not vigilant enough to wait on God to talk to us. 
when we get the, we when we get distracted, we'll find that we're not capable of hearing the Lord speak. Folks, we when we pray, we have his undivided attention. The question has to be, do he have ours? When we're praying, does he have our undivided attention? He's going to speak to us in his time, which is not in our time. He's going to speak to us in his way, which is not often how we want him to speak. But are we listening? Are we waiting? Are we watchful for him? I'm convinced that if God has our attention, then we're able to hear God speak to our spirit. We, we won't find ourselves praying out of obligation when we know the voice of God. When the voice of God is speaking to our spirit and we're taking time with him, it's not out of obligation, but it's out of thanksgiving. Folks, when we are thankful in our time with God, we won't forget to think of others. And Paul here, he's encouraging the believers to pray for him. Here, Paul is in chains. He is bound in a, in a dirty dungeon, a prison. In, and here he is crying out to the folks in Coloss to remember him. He's not asking to be relieved from the chains. He's not asking to be taken out of prison. But what he's asking is while he is in prison, while he is chained, pray for opportunity to share the gospel. Folks, when we are earnest in our prayer and we are vigilant with prayer and we're praying with thanksgiving, we're not thinking about our circumstance. We're thinking of how can we give God glory. And that's exactly what Paul was speaking to the Colossian believers about. I just believe that when we genuinely when people genuinely ask us to pray for them, when they share their burdens and concerns with us and they solicit our prayers, (laughs) I believe they really believe we can earnestly seek the face of God. I believe they think that prayer is such a part of our lives that we don't pray out of obligation, but we pray with thanksgiving. You know, Robert E. Lee said this, knowing that prayer is our mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today, I pleadingly urge our people everywhere to pray. Believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour, I humbly urge that we take time to pray, to really pray Let there be prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown and midnight. All through the day, let us pray for our children, our youth, our age, our pastors, our homes. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves that the word concern never leaves our vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus Christ and redeeming love, for moral forces everywhere and for national leaders. Let prayer be our passion. Let prayer be our practice. Folks, this is how we communicate with God. It's through prayer. God communicates with us through prayer and his word. Without prayer, when we're failing to pray, 
we're failing to seek the face of God. Listen, I don't want you to read into this. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say here. I know there are people at this church who pray. I know that I'm a product of your prayers. Ain't, there's no way in the world without people praying in this place that you would have had a pastor from 1950 to 1980 being the same man. And there's no way that, that here I've been here 17 years and there's no way that I would have still been here without somebody praying and seeking God. I believe prayer takes place with some of the folks here, if not all the folks here at Reedy Branch. But I do have to ask, does Christ have preeminence in our life? And one way to tell is through our prayer life. Now, again, we can't do nothing about what's already passed. But from this point forward, we can commit to having a more earnest prayer life. We can commit to having more of a prayerful spirit to where we're constantly in communion with the Lord. If we do this, then we'll find that we're more watchful in our prayer time. We're more thankful in our prayer time. We're more selfless in our prayer time. The more we become intentional about prayer, the more we will hear from God. The more we will recognize his voice. And the more we will obey the voice of God. And the more we will reflect the life of Christ. Yes, the more we're a reflection of Christ, the more we will ha- he will have preeminence in our lives. So the apostle, Peter, the apostle Paul here is challenging the believers in Colossus to give Christ preeminence in their lives by proceeding with prayer. But he also challenges the believers here to walk in wisdom. Now, Paul is encouraging the Colossian believers to walk wisely. He's saying to the believers to be thoughtful in how they carry themselves in this world. And, you know, sadly, there's just too many people in this world who says, well, take me as I am, love me for who I am, or just leave me alone. And I want to say this to us as lovingly as I possibly can that should never be the motto of any born again believer we should always be evolving not into who we are but in who Christ has created us to be if we are satisfied with who we are you know what we're fit for we're fit for God to go ahead and take us out of this world We're not any good to him in this world if the world is not seeing a constant change in who we are. You know, what Paul is saying here to them is that being a Christian comes with expectations. The word Christian means to be Christ-like. So if we're going to be Christ-like, then we would be wise To walk as Christ walked. Romans 6 and 4 tells us, Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so 
we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, if we're going to walk in newness of life, we're not going to walk the way we've always walked. And I'm not talking about how we stride. I'm talking about how we carry ourselves. And the newness of life is set aside for those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It's not set aside for just anybody. But wait a minute, preacher. I'm not the same person I used to be. I've lost a crowd of weight this year. I've, I've, gained, I've gotten a lot healthier this year. I've, I've increased my educational background. I've done all of these things. I've got new promotions and I I've just improved myself. Well, you may have improved yourself, but you're still not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Improving yourself gives no kingdom value. But when we walk in a newness of life, it is to share the kingdom of God with the world. It's carrying ourselves different. We as Christians don't have the privilege to live as the world lives. Romans 12 and 1 teaches us that we are to be, that we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. When he says reasonable, <laughs> he says, we're not asking you to do no more than what you're able to do. And with all that Christ has done for us, it just makes sense that we would want to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, acceptable and holy to God. You know, we walk wisely because unbelievers are watching. And they're not watching just to be watching. They're seeking someone. They're not seeking something. They're seeking someone they are seeking to know that Christ is real. They, they must see that he is real in our lives. So we must be striving to be a witness. I hope you like that word. I like that. That we are striving to be a witness because we fail every day. We're human. We're flesh. We're not Christ. We're not holy. We're not perfect as he was perfect. But we're not who we used to be either. We're striving so today ought to be a brand new day. Today shouldn't be like yesterday. My attitude today should be much better than my attitude yesterday. My attitude tomorrow should be better than my attitude today. We're striving. We're striving to walk in this newness of life. We're striving to show that Jesus is real in our lives. We're striving to be a witness of the one whom through we can have a relationship with God, the Father. You know, I, when I think of the scriptures, Nehemiah comes to mind as I reflect on walking in wisdom. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And Nehemiah, to the Persian king, and he, this was during the time in which uh, the Jews had been captu captured and they were, um, Jerusalem had been destroyed. We remember that for 70 years, uh, Jerusalem was just held captive, or the Jews were. And during that 70 years, Nehemiah was born. And, and while after he was born, he showed promise. And because he showed promise, the enemy of the Jews, they used him in different levels. And he became so popular and so promising that they made him a cupbearer to the king. In other words, the king 
the Persian king had to have a lot of trust in Nehemiah. Nehemiah had to carry himself in a certain way. He had to present himself in a certain way because the king trusted him with his very life. The cupbearer would taste whatever the king was, was going to drink. They would not only taste what they were drinking, they would taste whatever they would eat prior to the king. So the king would trust that if they survived it, then he would survive it also. And he had this prominent position next to the king. But what we see is that Nehemiah was visited by some of his brothers. When we study about him, some of his brothers who had went to Judah, they returned back to Persia. And when they did, Nehemiah asked them, about how the exiles, those who had went back to Jerusalem, how were they doing? And they gave a bad report, a sad report, and and, and Nehemiah learned that they were being oppressed on every side, that they had no way of fending off the enemy. The enemy was all around them because the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down. The gates had been destroyed, and it broke Nehemiah's heart. Scripture actually says that he wept, And he mourned for days, fasting and praying before the Lord. And after seeking the face of God, God opened the door for Nehemiah to leave Persia and go to Jerusalem for the purpose of restoring restoring the nation. The purpose was to build the walls in Jerusalem. Nehemiah, upon arriving in Jerusalem, he took three days to pray and to inspect the circumstances surrounding the walls. With a plan in place and trust in the Lord's provision, Nehemiah, he encouraged the people to begin rebuilding the walls. You know, everything sounded like it was moving the way it should be moving. But Romans 7 and 21 teaches us that when we would do good, evil is always present. So Nehemiah and the Jews, had, they, they began to be met with ridicule and with mockery. And instead of fighting back, Nehemiah, Nehemiah wisely prayed and continued the work. When that didn't work, the enemy didn't stop. The enemy just kept pressing on. So the enemy tried to discourage them by stir, um, or the enemy tried to send rumors of an attack that was going to take place while they worked on the wall. Nehemiah didn't stop working. Nehemiah didn't try to gather people to attack them. Instead, he put people on guard while the others worked. As a matter of fact, if you go far enough in the story, you'll find that while some worked, they also carried weapons. And they carried weapons to make sure that while they were working, they were going to be protected. Listen, I want to stop right there. And I want to say this. I don't know how you feel about about born-again Christians, about church leaders protecting the house of God. But I want to tell you, if if it was needful for Nehemiah to protect his workers when they were working on the city of God, we should protect Take the house of God. They had armed men to protect the people while they worked on the city walls. But that, when, so when they, the rumors of attack didn't work, they tried to discourage the Jews by stirring up complaints of weaknesses and, and fatigue. 
But what did Nehemiah do? <laughs> he continued to walk wisely by sharing with the people, look, seek the face of God and draw on his strength. When you are weak, he will make you strong. Nehemiah didn't cave to the mockery, the threats, or the discouragement sent by the enemy. He didn't cave to all the other things the enemy done. And there were more things that they did to try to stop the building of the walls. But instead, he walked wisely. He continued to seek God's face first and foremost. And then from that, he continued the work that God had called him to do. And because of that, in 52 short days, walls that had been torn down for 70 years were built and they were protecting the city. Folks, I'm convinced that no matter what life throws at us, no matter what uh, people may throw at us, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, if we will proceed in prayer, then we will walk in wisdom. And when we do these things, we will demonstrate that we're giving Christ preeminence in our lives. So I want to ask, how do you how do you respond to criticism? Don't answer me. <laughs> Let that toil around in your mind and in your heart. How do you respond to being attacked unjustly? How do you respond? Do you, when, when people are trying to discourage you, you know, you can respond in the flesh. You can criticize those who criticize you. You can go on the offensive and attack those who attack you. You can mope around and let others keep you from reaching your full kingdom potential. However, if this is the choice we make, <laughs> then we will likely get the approval of the world. We will likely hear them say, I don't blame you. Or we'll hear them say something like, I would have done the same thing. But I wonder, do you get what the world is saying? What the world is actually saying is, you're no different than us. The world would be saying, you're acting like you were lost. The world would be saying, Christ does not have preeminence in your life. Well, you ought to handle this differently. You know, when the world comes for us, when they ridicule and mock us, when they seek to attack us, when they seek to discourage us, we should be quick to seek the face of God and continue the work that he's called us to do, which is walking wisely in this world. It's it's tempting to speak to others as they speak to us. However, we're to speak with grace as if our conversation has been seasoned with salt. When we do this, we may hear them say, he or she's not like me. I can't believe he or she responded that way. He or she must be a Christian. He or she must be giving Christ preeminence in their lives because they couldn't do that without him leading them. So when we look back on 2021, has it been a year that we have been intentional 
about giving Christ preeminence in our lives. Every head bowed, every eye closed. As they are preparing for the invitation, I want to ask, have you proceeded throughout the year to pray earnestly and watchful? Have you walked in wisdom displaying a witness of Jesus that the world can't deny? If 2022, if not, if you haven't, 2022 is quickly approaching. And we can change our, while we can't change our past, our future can be different. So I want to ask you today as you are praying, as you are contemplating, as you are thinking about this past year is there something you want to change because your future can be different 2022 you can be a better version of you if you will seek to proceed in prayer and walk in wisdom or today would be a great day to start And you can just start while you're right there at your seat. If you are a born-again believer, right where you're at, you can start by confessing to God your failures of this past year. And renew your commitment to serving Him. And while you're doing that, I want to speak just briefly to you who are not Christians. To you who don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. To you who may be in a backslidden condition and you've walked away from God. And you find yourself in that position of not knowing for sure of whether heaven will be your home if you leave this world. If you're in that place in your life, I want to ask you who or what are you giving preeminence in your life? That deserves it more than Jesus. I want to encourage you. To give your life to Jesus. And make him first. Well you may ask preacher how do I do that? Well just. If you're ready to give your life to him. Just pray with me. God. I am lost. And I need direction. I believe. Jesus is your only begotten son. I believe he come to this world born of a virgin. I believe he lived a sinless life. And he died for my sins. I believe he arose from the grave on the third day to give me victory. And today I confess my sin to you. I am giving my life to you. I receive Jesus as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, that your word is true. I have confessed my sins, and you are faithful. You are just because you have forgiven me of my sin. Now help me live as a reflection of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.